Today we find our passage in the Gospel of John, the first chapter. I hope you'll turn in your Bibles or find in your bulletin our insert for this passage. We many times think of the Christmas story as being in Luke 2 or Matthew 1, and rightly so, but uh, John has his own version of Jesus coming into the world. We'll read together verses 1 through 4 and 9 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I've entitled this sermon today, Do You Like Interruptions? And if you don't like interruptions, you most likely should not go into the ministry. Because on any given day, anyone is liable to walk through the office door. And to show you that's true, on the very day when I had typed the first sentence of this sermon, I always type the title at the top, and then I start and I type this first sentence about how you never know who's going to walk through the office door, and I hear this little knock at my door. And Sarah Harper stuck her head in and said, I hate to interrupt you, but, you know, they had been out of town, and she said, I just want to know how Hazel's doing. And I said, well, it's interesting you should use that word, interrupt. Just look on my computer screen and look at the title of this week's sermon. Do you like Interruptions, you've just managed to work yourself into the sermon. (laughs) And, you know, that's how it is in the life of the church office. Some of you may walk in, and I'm always glad to see you, or or most of the time. (laughs) Or it may be someone I've never met before, like a gentleman stopped by about a month ago and wanted to talk to the pastor about uh, the possibility of his club meeting monthly in our church facilities. Now, the session makes those kinds of decisions, but I normally screen the requests. And this fellow was a member of a metal detecting club. Who who knew there was such a thing in Rock Hill? But the longer we talked, we both came to the mutual conclusion that this was probably not the best place uh, for his particular club to meet. Or now that it's wintertime, we have lots of interruptions by those in need, those who come to the church looking for help, 
uh, with their power bill or their uh, gas bill or for a kerosene voucher. You know, churches all over town give various kinds of help to those in need. Some help with food, some with clothing, some with uh, prescriptions and other needs. We here, our niche is to try and help with heat. And so we try and help those folks. And sometimes there are so many needs, so many people coming through the door that uh, our, our office ladies, Martina and Kelly, have uh, set up a specific time, 10 to 12, every day, Monday through Thursday, to deal uh, with those interruptions. You see, they have decided, because those interruptions can come all through the day, let's have planned interruptions. And it works better so that we can help folks and so that we can also get our regular work done here in the church office. And we all know what planned interruptions are. You and I have those as well from time to time. We make that doctor's appointment. We make that dental appointment. That's a, a planned interruption to our normal routine in life. Or we make plans to go see some of our family in another state during Thanksgiving or Christmas. That's a, a vacation in one sense, but it's also a planned interruption. So as you can see, there are good interruptions and there are bad interruptions. And with this in mind, I just wonder if you'd ever thought of Advent, of this coming of Jesus as a wonderful planned interruption. That word interrupt is a combination word from two Latin words, inner, which means between or into, and the word a room pair, which means to break. So we see that interrupt literally means to break into this word that John mentions here, this Logos, who has always been, who was with God and was God. This word who created the world and without Him was not anything made that was made. This word became flesh and dwelt among us. He broke into our world and into our lives. And the world has never been the same since. And I say it was a planned interruption because that's what Scripture teaches us. The prophets had spoken throughout the generations of this coming of God's gift to the world, the Messiah. Isaiah 9 is probably as well known as any. Where we read in that prophet, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This good news, this gift of a son was obviously God's plan all along. And Paul confirms that for us in Galatians 4.4 when he writes, When the time had fully come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. There was an eternal plan. And in the very fullness of time, 
When the time was right, God fulfilled His plan by sending His own Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. He saw fit to break right into the context of humanity, our humanity, as the Word became flesh. And this is the best news of all, that God loved us so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, as a gift into this world, not just as a baby born in the manger at Bethlehem, but to grow up and to live a sinless, perfect life and to be sacrificed on the cross for your sins and for my sins and the sins of the world. And notice that John says this light shines in the darkness. That verb is a a present tense. The light not only shone 2,000 years ago with the coming of Christ the first time, but the light continues to shine and the darkness has not overcome it. And we know that's true because of what Jesus tells us in John 16. You remember that's where He's preparing His disciples for His own departure Yes, the Word was made flesh, but the Word is about to go back and be with the Father in heaven at His right hand. And Jesus gives the disciples a lot of teaching about the Holy Spirit in that chapter and what the Spirit has done and will do for them. And He completes that whole section of teaching by saying, I've said this to you, that in Me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation." but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This is just another way of saying that the darkness of the world has not overcome the light of the world, the Lord Jesus. And as we reflect on this passage in John 1, we can see that this opening section of John's Gospel, what we normally refer to as the prologue, the prologue's the first 18 verses, takes us all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1. For there we read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be what? Light. And there was light. And what did that light accomplish? This newly created light displaced the chaos into which it came. It overcame the darkness and provided the very environment for life. This is why John says in the beginning was the Word. He's going all the way back to the creation story to tell us about the gift of life that God gives through that. And so he starts the same way as Genesis. In the beginning was the Word. He's going back to not only make the point that Jesus is pre-existent and not created, to not only make the point that Jesus is God and has been with God eternally and was involved in creation, but also to say that Jesus is the one person who can give life and save the lives we have from the chaos of this dark world of which we're a part. You see, left to ourselves, we're at the mercy of darkness. And we don't like the dark. 
Why do you think being afraid of the dark is one of the world's oldest fears? It reminds us of the hopelessness with which we're faced in this world of sin. We can't see in the dark. We're lost when we're in the dark. Jesus says as much in John 12 when He says, Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. That's true spiritually. It's true physically. How many times have you thought you could make it across your bedroom in the dark and not harm yourself only to find out that that was not the case? We have an old-style four-poster bed in our bedroom, and I can tell you from experience those posts do not give. I ran into it one night with my face. And so I walk in the dark in the bedroom like this now. So I won't make that mistake again. The dark is harmful. We can't see. We can't know where we're going. But the gift of Jesus, this, this light that shines in the darkness, changes everything. This is why Phillips Brooks writes what he does in Old Little Town of Bethlehem, the carol that we'll finish this service with today, when he says, Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. All of these fears of ours from evil and the darkness of this world are dealt with in this gift of the Word made flesh, this light that shines in the midst of the darkness. But notice how Phillips Brooks in that carol not only talks about our fears being met in Christ, but also our hopes. How often have we been in sin's command and control and and hoped for a better way of life, hoped that we could live a different way, hoped that we could follow God's will. That could be one of the hopes of which he speaks. We talked about this some last week in that passage in Jeremiah 33 where God said, Behold, the days are coming when I will fulfill the promise I have made. And in that text, we saw all sorts of good things discussed from justice to righteousness, from security to salvation. And those in the southern kingdom needed that good news. They needed that security, that salvation, because their city was under siege. Their whole way of life was being destroyed because they had failed to be obedient to God's will and His Word. And we know that everything written in Scripture is for our instruction. We've talked about that before in here. The the Bible teaches us that about itself. So how often are we just like those men and women in Judah that we talked about last week? We fail to listen to God in His Word. We, We fail to carry out what He calls us to do. Paul talks about this in Romans 7. The law is spiritual, he says, but but I'm carnal. I'm sold under sin. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I can will what is right, but I can't do it. Who will deliver me? Who will deliver me from this body of death? 
And then he gives the answer, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. We see there in Paul's words how God is the one who delivers us through Christ. And John says the same thing here in our text. It's just a different way of saying it. He says, to all who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. To all who believed in His name, some translations say, He gave the power to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This verse does many things, but it gives interpretive force to John's story about Nicodemus just two chapters later where Jesus says to him that night, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And of course, Nicodemus is wondering how someone can be born again. Jesus tells us. And John tells us right here in his prologue. It's not of blood. It's not of the will of flesh. It's not of any decision you or I make. It's of God. It's that power and grace of God working in our lives through the power of His Holy Spirit to draw us to Himself, to help us to see our need for sin, to help us see our great need for this light of the world who displaces all of the evil and darkness within our hearts and lives. Once again, we see that Scripture informs us that God is the Deliverer. We become His children because His power is at work in our midst. And so as we think about how Christmas, how Advent is this grace-filled interruption, we need to stop long enough to admit that we need God to break into our lives each and every day. And especially, we need to be attuned to what He's doing during Advent, this very season, where we speak of His coming. But that's hard to do, you know, when we have 4011 presents to buy and food to prepare and decorating to do and cards to get out and extra services to attend and we've got some families trying to prepare for a wedding in all the midst of this and I'm sure you can think of many other things that are on your list to do through this very busy season of Advent. You can probably relate to the parents who had all of these things to do and more as they were trying to prepare for Christmas Day and they were so wrapped up in it all that they were already stressed out about two weeks before Christmas. Anybody here yet? And their five-year-old daughter was also extra excited and not sleeping well and thus getting cranky and misbehaving. And finally, the parents had had it. They told her to go to her room and not to come out until they came to get her. Well, they knew they had overreacted and the mother went to check on her daughter and as she quietly slipped open her door, she heard her daughter praying this prayer. And forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. (laughs) You know, that's a prayer that maybe we all need to make. God, forgive me for missing the true meaning of Christmas. 
for spending so much time with routines and schedules and lists and trying to make sure that everything is just perfect that I forget what Advent is all about. It's the gift of love breaking into our lives. It's a part of God's plan. Loving you and me with an everlasting love. And God's plan was perfect because He was perfect, but that gift of love and the way it came was not perfect, was it? I mean, not even a place for the baby to stay. Surely, as we think about that kind of love and the way that God Himself was willing to limit Himself and lower Himself to take on the form of flesh, we can see this good news of the Word becoming flesh. And that Word not only became flesh, but it was full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Just what you and I need. You know, Paul proclaims the good news, the same good news, just in a different way in 2 Corinthians 5, when he says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. Indeed, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in Jesus this day and forevermore. It's the good news of the Gospel. Believe it and live in its peace. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.